So for the final um, session of the day, we're going to talk about drugs, which is, I think, welcome. Um, so this is actually a topic a lot of people laugh uh, about the issues of psychedelics, and it's very San Francisco, and I'll just say my background. I've been talking to tech billionaires about psychedelics for years um, because a lot of them are interested in it. They're investing in it. They take them. They think they're important. But now it's sort of created a shift now into being a real business, sort of following the the the, the weed uh, becoming an industry and stuff like that. So, Christian, why don't you talk a little bit about what you're doing? Because I'd like to start talking about, before we talk about the actual which ones do what and what where the promising parts are, talk about the business of it first. Okay. Hello, everybody. Pleasure to be here. So, in my day job, that's not a topic. I'm just saying it because I read that's the subtitle. I'm, <laughs> I'm running my own uh, family office at Pyron. Um, we do investing companies, but once in a while, uh, when we have an original idea nobody else ever had, we start companies. And we did start a company which is in the meantime listed on, on NASDAQ, uh, which is called Atai Life Sciences. Mm -hmm. And Atai is actually working on bringing various psychedelic substances back from sort of the illegal realm where they are now into mm -hmm. the medical world as a treatment uh, for various mental health issues. Right. And so the idea is to, the, many of these drugs, from LSD to ketamine uh, to um, mescaline, all kinds of things, have been mostly sidelined because of the, they're considered class one drugs, correct? In the United States, at least, that's the case. And during the 70s, they were sort of demonized um, in a lot of ways. And it was sort of countercultural. The Nixon administration cracked down on them, and it's been going on like that for many years. Now many of them are getting big investments from different people. So talk about your investors, so give people an idea of who's making these investments. Well, in the meantime, we're listed, so everybody can be an investor. But like I'm the founder, I also was the guy who put in the first money because back then, most people said I'm insane, literally. Um, but I had several like early stage investors, Peter Thiel, Mike Novogratz, Louis Bacon, um, Tor Björgovsson, and some others who really very early when we did our first round trusted in the topic and me. And uh, yeah, so, so what far are they, so good. What do you think they're seeing here? A big business? They like to get high? What? What's the... No, I, I think first thing? of all, the, the, it's, it's a very short period that these drugs have been or are still um, illegal. Actually, if you look at human history, mm -hmm. these drugs, most of them, the, na the nature ones, because some are synthetic now, but like the nature ones are used since thousands of years. Actually, it's a super interesting topic. Too much for them, but like most religions, and a friend of mine, I can promote the book because it's amazing, the immortality key, he has proven, Brian Morescu, that most religions, including Christianity, are based on psychedelic consumption. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is a long, it's a, psychedelics are, you could even say, the foundation partly of, of human civilization. There was the famous cult of Demeter in Greece, mm -hmm. where all the philosophers went to. And Plato is writing in one of his philosophical books that all of his philosophical ideas, which our Western world partly is built on, he got during the Eleusinian mysteries, mm -hmm. which were a psychedelic cult, ergot and uh, magic mushrooms. So... It was out there for long, and then the only short period was in the 60s and 70s when two things happened. First of all, great, some of these drugs had been actually, which gives me and gave my investors and the confidence that we're on the right track, some of these drugs had been used in the 50s and 60s as medication. For example, psilocybin, the um, ingredient in magic mushrooms, active, yeah. Yeah, um, was by Sandoz, actually, a famous Swiss uh, pharma brand. And it all went fine till... 
it practically got a little bit occupied, I would say, taken over in a nice way, actually, by the hippies. Nobody cared, by Timothy the way. Timothy Leary and others. Yeah, at the beginning, though, and I want to point it out, which shows where the sort of love of the hippie movement came from, because sort of they did the good stuff. They did sort of LSD, magic mushrooms, cannabis, mm -hmm. which makes you, I always say, a better human being. Right. And it was legal, or at least medically legal. And then the sinfall of politics came when the hippie generation became political, went against the Vietnam War. So they were looking at the politics at the time, politicians at the time were looking at them and were like, how can we paint them bad? Like, what's a, what's a bad spin we can put on them? Oh, look at them. They're taking mm -hmm. that stuff, which is technically illegal outside the hospital. It was legal. Right. And they started faking stuff. Uh, the government, like, putting all these wrong stories out. It makes you crazy. Why? Because they could say, you must be crazy if you're going against the Vietnam War, if you're going against the establishment. And sadly, back then, mental health was not a... Or thanks God, and sadly now, it's a big thing, but back then, mental health was not a big thing. Mm -hmm. So the number... I mean, this was a niche disease, while it's now the biggest sort of problem of our system... So nobody sort of fought for it. Right. So it's just and what, came, what came in their place, which is interesting, there's a very good book out. I just did a podcast with Michael Pollan, who's written two books. One is Best called one. Changing Your Mind, which was about this idea of psychedelic use. Um, and the second one is the one he just put out. And one, it, it's more about three drugs, coffee, uh, peyote, mescaline, uh, and, and opium itself. Um, and he was writing about sort of the history of all three of them. People don't realize coffee is one of the biggest psychotropic drugs that is everyone is addicted on the planet to it. But it's a useful drug because it gets people to work, stops people from being drunk at work, which was the way a lot of people were, et cetera. And so we use psychotropics in lots of different ways and we don't think about it. But one of the things that was interesting to me was how drugs go in and out of favor. And one of the things when he was talking about the opium issues, he was trying to grow opium to because he wanted to see, but it actually is... It's, it's, it's legal to grow poppies if you don't know you're growing them because they're drugs, right? It's, it's all these weird laws are going in. And so he did a story that he couldn't publish in, in, in a magazine uh, in Harper's, I think, many years ago. And because he, if he wrote that he knew what he was doing and making tea from it, he could be arrested and have all his property taken away from him, which was astonishing. M meanwhile, miles away from him, uh, the big pharma was creating, um, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the company. Um, uh, the, the Oxycontin. The Oxy Oxycontin, the, uh, right, uh, exactly. The creating horrible. Oxycontin. And so opiates took over, and that's how they began treating these illnesses. And so that became fully legal and much abused while psychedelics were put into the, the penalty box of illegal drugs. Yeah, so we, we, um, there are many theories... Honestly, sometimes I think mistakes happen in history. You can, so there's another theory which, which says if you look at human history, in times of where you needed labor, um, governments, this meaning I mean, thousands of years, were favoring alcohol and nicotine and stuff like that because it makes you fall in line and somehow still work. And in times when you have enough human labor, you allow people more to explore their mind and check out. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's another, when you look over the, the history, I think it just was like a political scam and like it worked. Unfortunately, nobody fought for it. And mm -hmm. anyway, we need, we're here now and we're turning it back. So um, Yeah, so here we are now with opiates under siege and very dangerous for people to use. 
to abuse the Sacklers are in a lot of trouble, um, refusing to pay, but eventually will be paying quite a price. Hopefully. Yeah. And the governments who allowed it and everybody else. So it caused all this sort of a public health crisis in that way. So talk a little bit about wh what brought these other drugs back. I remember early on when I'm covering Silicon Valley, people, I was joking about it, but they really were. Every week I was offered either come do ayahuasca with me. Wouldn't you like to do mushrooms? Would you like to do LSD? My answer was always no. I don't even want to have coffee with you, so no. Um, but it was really interesting because at first it was a mind exploring kind of thing. Now it's moved to a different thing. So there's all these studies going on at Johns Hopkins and different places. Talk a little bit about how it moved to you know, trials, tri trials to, in well, order to treat things. Then we'll talk about what it's treating because this is a very big yeah. business as far as I can tell. So, which what I'm very, very proud of, like, so we did not invent it, but we reinvented the business. Um, we were literally in this millennia, the first one. I had a personal trip uh, in a country where it's legal uh, in 2014. Um, and back then, it was not even a topic in Silicon Valley. So none of my friends had ever taken it. This mm -hmm. was like maybe like a, I had friends who were real hippies. Like, like it was 2014 was very early. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely not a business topic because even to the then, to the years after, when I talked to some Silicon Valley folks who did it, they were like, but it's never going to, it's not possible to, to bring these drugs back. And my first trip and then the ones to follow in a country where it's legal were hands down the single most important thing I've ever done in my whole life, full stop. Nothing comes close to it. And because I'm an entrepreneur, I actually already after the first trip, literally the next day, I was like, okay, holy shit, if it's doing, if, if it's giving this amount of positivity to me, and I was a, always a very happy person, so I had the luck and didn't come to the topic by searching for something. I actually did not want to do it. Like I'd, for years, I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I've never drank an alcohol in my whole life ever. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. one of like, I've never smoked weed. I've never took anything else than 2014. I did coffee. Yeah, mm -hmm. indeed, I did coffee and I ate sugar. Yeah, uh, but everything else I didn't do because I, I, I was so happy growing up. I was like, okay, I'm happy. I'm not dumb. I think I have the genetic jackpot because a lot of other people are not happy. Anyway, I took it, was blown away by the positivity it even added to me. And I was like, okay, this needs to be medically available again. That was mm -hmm. for me like, the clear entrepreneurial impetus, yeah, and this led then ultimately to the... So usually it's because people are just taking it themselves, right? They're only doing it themselves, and it's not the, the whole idea of it being either guided or medically prescribed by qualified people. Now, and, and that most, many of these drugs are not addictive. Most, most of them are not addictive. Uh, Actually, not, all of them. All of, all of them. psychedelics are not addictive. Well, they are even dissolving addiction. So all psychedelics have an addiction-dissolving ability. The strongest one, which we also um, advance in clinical trials, is called ibogaine. Mm -hmm. And ibogaine has a high potential in the first clinical studies we're doing to uh, even cure opioid addiction, which is the strongest. Opioids on a scale, like psychedelics, non-addictive, uh, uh, opioids, extremely addictive. Yeah, this right. is the whole problem here. Yeah. Yeah. And the only drug known... Uh, which ha which shows this potential to cure opioid addiction is ibogaine. All right, so let's go through them. The, the yep. best. Let's go through the best known ones and where they are in terms of trials and creating yep. businesses. I've noticed recently, and we're having I'm having the code conference next two weeks from now. 
one whole day is going to be about this. We're going to do one whole day about all these psychotropic drug companies that are coming up and things like that, um, and including some mind ones that are not drug related, but they're doing all these different things, uh, technical things with your brains, um, wearing helmets, all kinds of different things. But one of the things that interested me was a company called Field Trip, which is setting up clinics mm -hmm. that you go to. Um, that, there's not many of those right now, but let's talk about where each of the drugs first is and then what are the businesses that fall off of them? Because you've seen the weed business grow quite a lot, yeah. even though it's up and down, up and down largely because it's not federally mandated here, for example. So let's start with the very simple one, which is much, uh, psilocybin uh, mushrooms. So talk a little bit about where those are on the development scale to a commercial product. Yep. Uh, by the way, as as, as sort of an, a framework, because that's sort of it, you're completely right. It is not cannabis. Yeah, it's completely different. This is not a consumer product. We want it to be a medical product, and because we, with a tie, and then we have a, a stake in a company called Compass Pathways, which is doing psilocybin, and we do all the rest. Um, because we go through all these clinical trials, which are very expensive. Yeah, we were able to get all the IP around these substances. So this is not a business where multiple companies will do. Right, we drugs. won't have, okay. I mean, I was just in San Francisco and there are now cannabis shrimp chips. Exactly, and it's not gonna happen. They're disgusting, yeah. Yeah. I tell you. It's but nonetheless, it's very exactly. consumer focused. It's very- This is medical trials. We wanna make them okay. approved like a medication. And this will be medically treated through clinics and things. Exactly, so most, we have some, some drugs where we might, and we have to see what comes out of the trials, but like where we have the sort of, let's say, justified hope that there are one or two which could be used at home because we can modify the disassociate effect. For example, R-ketamine. Which one? Uh, R-ketamine, which is a new version of ketamine. Mm -hmm. But overall amount of our overall number of our, uh, our, our ties, uh, drugs in development will be used or will just be allowed and we want them just to be allowed for therapeutics in, with therapists sitting next to you so but if you have ptsd depression anxiety addiction right. obesity anorexia name it mm -hmm. by the way you can really name any normally psychedelic work mm -hmm. but the important thing is because the trip itself you go on a trip this is not like light don't take it lightly mm -hmm. and the trip itself can be very challenging i don't like the word bad trip because people come out and are potentially healed, yeah? Mm -hmm. But what happens a lot, all these um, mental health issues, have a, you have them for a reason. And one, it's various, but is, is trauma. There's these, let's call it the obvious trauma, a person was raped and knows it, mm -hmm. a person was at war, like a soldier, and knows it. But trauma can be also something which hurt you deeply, but you don't even remember it. This can be a childhood thing in school, and this comes up, yeah? But when you, when you dissolve that trauma, the trip itself can be very challenging. Again, bad is the wrong word. It's like challenging, but you come out healed. But during that process, you need somebody, not for medical reasons in terms of there's nothing your body does, but it's somebody, it's, this is why psychotherapists will the one doing it, and psychologists, mm -hmm. who literally, this is where the word comes from, takes you on the trip yeah, and goes All right, with so you. let's go through that. So psilocybin, that's the most popular yes. that I can tell. But, which is the ingredient in magic mushrooms and uh, our company compass pathways will announce end of the year phase 2b data phase 2b okay and for for the ones who are not familiar with biotech you have normally one two three so the final one which needs to be still done is three and then it's approved so they are some years away from mm -hmm. approval but not a lot there's going to be like and there's a lot of different trials going on correct 
but all the trials for medical are just done by Compass. Right. Okay. So what will be the uses for psilocybin? What is so you depression? You I mean, so the trial is done for treatment-resistant depression. Okay. Um, and but you then can do post-marketing studies, and once a drug is approved, you can also use it for other stuff. Obviously. So right. if 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 the doctors have it available then it's upon the therapist to say, oh, okay, it's proved for treatment-resistant depression. This is where I see the data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I can use it for PTSD as well. It's a little bit like, and we're going to do more studies. So there is several other studies Compass is doing in parallel to show also the use case for other. And uh, the other, But it's mostly around depression and... So the signature study, which is the approval study, is around treatment-resistant depression. Of depression, as opposed to many other drugs people yeah. use to treat depression. Um, in and and the, and this would standardize the use of psilocybin, correct? You mean like a meaning we would know like know how much? Because one of the things I remember when I was talking to one of the um, people who was who were working on this, they said there was there's a lot of uh, magic mushrooms in Berkeley. A lot of people in Berkeley, California, and this it, it's so much so that it gets everywhere. The spores get everywhere. That okay, they have no, the, no, they have the happiest squirrels. Yeah. Ever in Berkeley, California, you go see it's actually true. The regulator made it very clear, and it's yeah. also it's also imperative. Like we're talking about, yes, mushrooms are or psilocybin is originally in, in 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 nature, magic mushrooms, but like we synthesize it, yeah, right. and it's the synthetic version of it because you need to dose it exactly. Everybody who done and it would be dosed via pill or yes, via orally, pill? yeah, orally. Okay, all right. Next one, um, ketamine. Or, yeah. Ketamine. So ketamine is it's a very interesting story. There is like uh, there is an original ketamine, yeah, which is an anesthetic. So it's used for in horses, a tranquilizer. Yeah. No, uh, for okay, humans. I'm yeah, okay, good. Uh, it's it's also used for horses, but because it horses is, are so is. sensitive animals, not yeah. because they are. It's yeah. actually a very... You have to be careful talking about horse medicine these days, but go ahead. Exactly. This okay. is why. The, <laughs> so it's it's a human tranquilizer. Yes, it in is. My, my brother's an anesthesiologist. He uses it Perfect. all the time. So. Um, and then anecdotally, doctors found out that patients who took it for, because they were in the emergency room or whatever, that they reported and, and were depressive or even had tried to kill themselves, and this is why they were in the emergency room, came back the next day or were, can wake up and they were like, oh my God, like I'm happy. Why did I try to kill myself? Life is awesome. Yeah. So anecdotally, we found out about the antidepressant effect of ketamine. Mm -hmm. What is then very sad, which also shows one of my favorite topics, controversial, I mean, not here, I think, but like about the value of patents, because a lot of people are saying, oh, Christian, how have you been able or was it actually ethically right that you own psilocybin or we own all these the, the synthetic ones, we own the patents. And the only way to pay for these trials is to make a business out of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So ketamine was out of patent, so nobody was proving it. There was anecdotal evidence. People were doing it. But anecdotal evidence is never enough to really bring a good drug to the people. Mm -hmm. Niches are doing it. Rich people are doing it. Yeah. They but are. the woman in Iowa, the doctor, will not give her ketamine because his risk of getting, losing his license if something goes wrong, if it's not approved for mm -hmm. depression, is super high. And then they found a while ago that ketamine consists of two, let's say it for here, like subversions. Yeah. The one they called R ketamine for right turning, and the other one S uh, for uh, left turning, S ketamine. And they were patentable. So, and that allowed both us with R ketamine and Johnson Johnson with S ketamine to advance clinical trials because you suddenly had a patent again. So, you had a business model around it. Mm -hmm. And um, S-ketamine was actually approved by Johnson Johnson 
I think two years ago now, one and a half years ago. So now this is what Field Trip is doing. They, you can have clinics now where you get officially esketamine from Johnson Johnson because it's approved now for depression and now doctors starting prescribing it. And we believe our ketamine is even more potent and especially has a less disasso disassociative effect. Mm -hmm. So it could be to be proven in trials that uh, our ketamine is approved for at-home use mm -hmm. versus use with a doctor. Because what we all shouldn't forget, and that's the sad part of that whole, is how big the crisis is. And we have uh, one billion people globally suffering from one of the diseases we just touched. And we need to make sure because if, even if the drugs are approved, like there will be a bottleneck of um, therapists, clinics, whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So it would be very positive if one or two of these drugs, the milder ones, so to say, could be approved for... For home use. Home. So, yeah. you, so you get it under a prescription, but yeah. then you can... Use Obviously prescription, but yeah. for use without a therapist. Yeah. Right. And our ketamine has that potential. And this is for, again, what? Precisely would it be aimed at? Depression again? PTSD, same things? They all work for, because it's also very near together, like you normally have one lead indication where you sort of prove it and then you can do more studies to sort of... And, but it's around depression, yeah. the same... So, so uh, ketamine is also for depression, the lead study of us, yeah. Okay, uh, MDMA. MDMA um, makes you happy. Uh, yeah, so, um, I understand. MDMA is very good for post-traumatic... Meaning, again, MDMA is good... For, a lot of things, but in it, the lead study, which is not done by us for MDMA, but which is done by uh, MAPS, yeah, Rick Doblin, if it's, uh, mm -hmm. he's, he's amazing. So whoever is the sort of practically, we are like the for-profit uh, leader and, and Rick has, a, has a, a non-profit called MAPS. So whoever wants to donate, he's the one who really deserves it. Um, and they are advancing MDMA. Mm -hmm. um, they are in phase three, actually. Mm -hmm. So... Um, Again, it should also be... This a, is a widely used recreational drug, too, right now. I mean, yes, illegal. Yes, but illegal as, as, as recreational illegal, drug. Yeah. Everybody uses it, right? Still illegal, yeah. And uh, it's going to... But it's going to be hopefully legal soon, thanks to Rick, for, again, lead indication is post-traumatic stress disorder, but can be used for other stuff as so well. So anxiety, what, what, what would that be prescribed for medically? Anxiety... Be a nicer person? We do have... Like, bit of, pardon? The be your nicer person disease we suffer in this country from. Which one? MDMA? Yeah, MDMA, yeah. No, it's it's post-traumatic stress disorder. Like stress if, disorder. Yeah. 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 Right. But it By the way, be. they all make you a nicer person. That I'm sorry? Is, all of them make you a nicer person. Like okay. that is like I think truly I think ultimately, sorry we're jumping now, but like again, it's very important. Very powerful drugs, medical business. But like you see in a lot of medical um I mean, you take aspirin. It's it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a drug, but like some, it was used. I don't even know what aspirin was originally. But then you realize it has more mm -hmm. properties. And some and some when I think maybe people who don't have a depression, but who have other wishes or want to improve, so I have made. By the way, MDMA was amazing for marriage therapy. Like mm -hmm. this was one of the original use cases. Yeah. Marriage therapy is not a disease. Yeah, we cannot go to the regulator and say, "Hey, if two mm -hmm. people don't like each other anymore, can we?" So, but once MDMA is approved or other psychedelics, yeah, um, a doctor can say, a psychologist can say, "You, you are a couple. You should do marriage therapy." And if they do it with the psychotherapist, it's gonna be legal. Okay. So they're gonna be. There's always the starting point. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, this, our point of view is, 
the therapist knows the patient. Sure, and we but it's it, not going to be marketed as an anti-divorce drug, right? It's going to be used as a as a. Oh, if you would know how many big investors uh, I saved their settlements, uh, it's uh, it is an amazing. If if one of you meaning you all want to make money. You're going to lose 50% of your money if you get divorced, depending on which contract you have. Yeah. <laughs> so before you go the bad route, try to find at the moment a shaman in a country where it's legal who does either psychedelic or MDMA therapy with you. It could be the most valuable financial advice I've ever given to you. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Thank you. And if you don't end up like you're supposed after MDMA, you really should get divorced. Um, okay. Exactly. No, that's right. the point. It shows no. you what you really want. And then at least you know. Yes, yeah. so at least you go, yeah, I, I do hate you. That really is. I don't yeah. want to hug you right now. So, um, so, so that's oh, sorry, as so a side note, because I'm really proud of it. Like, um, it was used a lot also in political, um, how do you say, uh, conflict resolutions in history of humanity. Oh. So I'm funding Imperial Colleges program where we make uh, very right-wing Israelis and very bad Hezbollah fighters trip together mm -hmm. and come up with a peace plan because it didn't work out so far without no seriously i think if you look how messed up that is yeah and how bad the situation it is i think you need a new point of view and that's another oh. property psychedelics do they take you out of the ordinary and give you a new point of view so um and uh, we're gonna release i think these it's, meaning it's not an approval study this is like yeah a I thing quite I, a few leaders i would put on it then but um, exactly okay. i think in the future i'm on the board of i can't say no it's like okay i think in the future yeah. like uh, politicians will trip together in like 10 20 years so they should be required but so politician mandate MDMA if they want well, to be a politician. I, I think we're far away from mandated, okay. but like I think it wouldn't be. Yeah, that's bad. another word we're not supposed to talk about right it now. So, um, so the next thing, uh, the, I guess the biggest one. There's one that is talked about a lot in Silicon Valley, for example, in tech a lot is ayahuasca. Yep. Which is another one. Talk about that. So ayahuasca is uh, a brew in South America, uh, yep. and the active ingredient is called DMT, mm -hmm. um, and we advance DMT for uh, also treatment-resistant uh, depression. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very strong psychedelic. I don't want to say it's similar to, uh, because they all have a little, they're all similar or different. Like, it's just stronger, and, and then you can take it in different ways, so you can inhale it, then it's a shorter acting, and you can drink it, then yeah. it's a longer acting, and then actually it works on different stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it has very strong antidepressant, again, anti-PSD. So even str a stronger drug for that, a more. It is, yes. Because it has hallucinatory aspects. Like, sorry, I'm always so hesitant because like, there is all these anecdotal evidence. So the amazing thing, and I'm in biotech since 20 years, is like normally you have sort of, you don't know what trial outcome is. In this case, okay, we still have to see the outcome, but like we have all this anecdotal evidence. We know how these drugs work. People are using it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, then some of them had been already medically available. We have right. all the data. However, I still have to say what, and this is what I'm very proud of, because we will prove it once and for all. So hopefully in some years we can sit here and I don't have to say potentially they're doing this. Right, sure. Okay, yeah. I want to talk about one last drug and then talk about how you get it back into a mainstream thinking where people don't think about it. The way they've sort of moving on on weight. They are. People are much more accepting of that. Most the, the, the amazing I, I don't want to get to that yet, but I want to talk to LSD. Yeah. Because that's, I think, the one that has the most baggage with it. And I know most investors uh, are very worried about funding these things. There's some investors like Tim Ferriss. There's Peter Thiel. Some others who are fine moving into some of these spaces. But that's the one where they get a little Well, nervous. LSD is, is, is different. It's like it's... it's 
we don't do LST, not because I think it's uh, it's it's not good. I think it's actually awesome, uh, but um, but it has a twelve hour yes thing, and it does more or less the same than psilocybin. And again, my view is we need to think what makes sense in the healthcare system, mm -hmm. and the healthcare system will need to pay, or the patient will need to pay for the therapist sitting next to him. So if I can have the same outcome with psilocybin, which is round about a four-hour trip, or LSD, which is round about a 12-hour trip, we will always take psilocybin. There is no medical place mm -hmm. in our point of view for LSD. Right. Not because it's not good, but because you want to actually, this is why DMT is so interesting, because DMT, if you inhale it, then it's actually, or if you take it intravenous, then it's actually 15 minutes around about. So, right. so and actually, because we need to... So you're looking for something for a shorter amount of yeah, time we, we, with we the most at, efficacy, essentially. Yeah, because it's, we want to make a reasonable, it means commercially viable. So it's not that it's got the, bag, the criminal baggage. No, I would fund it immediately if I would see a commercial opportunity. A commercial thing. And one I left out, which Michael Pollan does write about in the book, which is mescaline, yeah. which is, there's, there's the peyote cactus, which is only used by Native Americans, and it's used in the Native American church. Uh, but now they have a synthetic version, and they, there's other cactus. I forget the yep. cactus um, that works. As we it. don't do it, it's the least familiar, so I don't want to... Right, right. Uh, but that's another one that's getting attention, correct? Yes, yep. Which, is, which builds communities, from what I understand. It's very good around building communities, about getting along, about... I think it's... But again... Because I think it's in a similar sort of league that MDMA. But like it's, it gives you, it has more of a psychoactive effect, but it's also, it's it indeed like heart opening, right. which you get it with MDMA actually from our point of view. Right. Okay. So all these different drugs, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And, and there's more synthetic versions coming out and they're trying different things. Most people say the non-things synthetic versions are the better versions, but they, at, at some point it will be, will be hard to understand the difference. Um, how do you get investors to think about it as a eventual business and how do you get governments um because this is something you could see certain politicians you know oh we're going to be making money you know you saw the same thing play out over just weed this is much more drugs with a lot more baggage around them it actually meaning we already did so it's sort of an we do the studies. It's not a question anymore. The great thing is it's happening. This reclassification mm -hmm. is happening automatically. It's not that we want to change. We, we don't want politicians to make a political call on it. What we are saying is we're going to go like every other medical drug in the world. We're going to go through the FDA process. Mm -hmm. yeah. And at the end of the FDA process is an outcome which is hopefully confirming the anecdotal evidence we have that these drugs are very useful for in a medical context. And then it's an automatism that they reschedule. There is I no political lobbying. We don't want any favors because it is a scientific decision at the end. Mm -hmm. Can we show what we all see? And then how do you yeah. get, I have just two more questions and then we have to go, but how do you get consumers to think of it this way? People who are suffering no, from... We, we don't need the consumer. Two things which are important. The one is like, we have, it is the biggest problem of the healthcare system. So if you talk to any doctor, they are completely aware of it because, again, mental global, health, mental health as, yeah, a, as a whole. Just walk down the street. Exactly. No, like, look at so Everybody many is traumatized so, right yeah. now. Yeah. So, and let me give you the, the official number is 1 billion people. That already makes it the biggest opportunity, yeah, and the biggest problem at the same time in healthcare. Second, it is still a stigmatized disease. So we, it's, it's starting to get destigmatized. Yeah, but like 
but gradually, yeah? And that means the true number is way higher. I don't know the true number, but it's... So it's a market. It's a, it's market. a huge market. Like, so, but let's say the true number is maybe one and a half billion, but it's way higher because I know so many people who not go to the doctor, who, meaning um, a friend of mine who... A uh, big famous uh, singer, he made a survey among his fans. He's a Sharon Atai. Like 80% of his fans said in a survey, it's not a scientific survey, but like, why should they lie? Like, after COVID, and he has the fan like 15 to 25, I would say, yeah, is they have mental health, health issues. 80%. Yeah. yeah. So, and so, and we actually, if you look at it, it's just a tie who and compass together who has the solution because all the other shit like SSRIs, opioids, meaning they numb people and mm -hmm. we need to find cures, not numb them and make them zombies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and then additionally, I think the world we live in is not good for our brain. We all love it. We have the whole day of Bitcoin and technology and biotech and blah blah blah. Yeah, and we love it. But it's actually terrifying for our brain because our brain wants stability and we never had, never ever was the world, I don't want to say instable, but that fast changing. Again, your conference is the sort of synonym for fast changing, yeah, mm -hmm. but that makes people mentally traumatized, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the number will go up. I personally would say ultimately the total addressable market for mental health is 100% of the population because everybody wants, what do we all want? We can say, oh, we want to be rich, we want to have good sex, whatever, yeah. But ultimately we want two things. We want to be healthy and happy. And everybody has other things which make it happy, but that's what it narrows it down, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we've solved the happiness part. So two last questions. How much very quickly, how much money is going into this right now? I'm seeing a lot of money move this way. Yeah, so know. we raised over, I can talk about us, like we raised over $500 million. $500 million. Over $500 million. Sorry, like Easy? At the beginning, it was easy because I'm an untypical founder because I have my investment business, so I funded it myself, and I had friends who trusted me. Um, so yes, so easy, not easy. Like, so a but, lot of money is moving. But actually, our IPO was very easy because over the last 12 months that sort of a uh, few on psychedelics, we're sitting here, we're talking about it, has changed. But that was just the last 12 months. Right. Okay. I'm going to ask the last question in one more minute. Y you yourself have taken these yeah. drugs, right? In a country where it's legal. One of the things that they push for me in Silicon Valley is that it opens their mind to new innovation. Um, yes. It, it brings, they think it's an innovation drug, a lot of these things. Talk very briefly. We have 50 seconds. <laughs> okay, the short version is, by the way, this is a side effect. This is not the medical effect, so it's not medical advice. But if you look at how our brain works, round about when you're 30, you start losing the creative power, innovation. Like, if, you, if you're 20, you're like, the world is your oyster. You're in awe of the wonders of the world, and it's going down. The good thing is, when you're getting older, you build up craftsmanship and knowledge and whatever, and what you ideally want, and that's what Steve Jobs is actually writing in his bio, is like, mm -hmm. you want the knowledge and the craftsmanship of a 50-year-old combined with the innovative power of a 20-year-old. And, again, I have to say carefully, but there is strong anecdotal evidence that psychedelics, and, and especially certain ones, are giving you back for good, not just because, uh, during the trip, that uh, sort of innovative power, and it gave me a lot. I was saying, but it's it's super simplified because I could talk an hour about this one trip. Mm -hmm. But you can go into a, a psychedelic trip and have an intention. You can say, okay, I want to learn about my true self. You can go in a spiritual path. But one day I was like, because I was actually late-ish. I mm -hmm. started investing in crypto in 2016. 
And I was like, okay, what's this all about? Like, and I had friends explaining it to me, Mike. Uh, but like, I was like, and sort of the true sort of power of blockchain and crypto, I sort of figured out on a trip. On a trip. Although you can't have some dumb ideas. I've heard, some, I've heard some dumb ideas from some people. Well, they, on they, again, you need, it's all about the surrounding and the guidance yeah. in a country where it's legal yeah. with, a pack of, with, a, with a shaman or like somebody who's going with you. But um, this stuff definitely has potential. All right, everyone. Christian, this is actually a fascinating area. Thank you so much. <laughs>